welcome to a Burkamp Wonderland. We are an Arsenal podcast. But you already knew that, didn't you, dear listener? Because that's why you're here. And if you're not here, I would give some serious questions to your life. My name is Chris. I am technically your host, but you know the drill, boys and girls. We don't really have a host on these uh, wonderful shows. We just kind of make it all up, throw it all at Danny. He does stuff with it. Music gets added and you listen. So why change the habit of a lifetime? Now, you might be asking yourself, dear listener, why is that prick with the silly hair wearing stupid glasses? Well, it's quite simple. One, I've only just got home from work and I haven't actually changed. But two, and more importantly, two, I was delighted to see that Tottenham have announced the eighth and unknown member of the Beatles as their new signing today. So I thought I'd wear these glasses uh, to show him some respect and uh, let him know that I can be unfashionable too. So I'm going to wear them for the duration of this podcast. And if you are listening to this in audio format, boy, did you miss out. Speaking of missing out, I have to introduce my wonderful guests because without them, I would just be sat here rambling to myself. First of all, and most importantly, because he's the brains of this operation, to my right-hand side is Mr. John Welsh. It's been a while, John. Um, hello. I wasn't <laughs> expecting that, to be honest. I'm not really the brains. But, um, yeah, my brain's not with it at all. I'm like OD'd on Lemsip. I've got some sort of mutant virus. It's not corona. I'm not dying. But, yeah, I'm trying to cheer myself up with my Bakaya Saka riding a unicorn, obviously. And um, beautiful it is, too. It is very beautiful. Um, yeah, but I'm other than the illness, I'm excited for actual football to be back, as terrifying Excellent. as some people might find it. <laughs> and, and I know many of our listeners will want, want to know the answer to this question, so, of course, I'm going to ask it. Um, that grey hair, is that last season or the season before that that came about? I mean, it started when I was 18, so I just think it's just... Basically, since I've been an Arsenal fan, really, it's just it's yeah. coming through much more now. I've been keeping it a lot shorter lately, so it's not as visible, but I've got to be slack over the last few weeks. Well, what you need, what you need is what Danny, who is our third and final, well, second guest technically, but the third member of this illustrious trio. Good evening, Danny. Uh, just for men, Danny, can you confirm or deny that it works? <laughs> I've never tried any of the The offering wanted me to uh, dye my beard one of those weird colours, you know, that when people go and set fire to London, one of that kind of colours. I said, no, I like it, this colour. That's pride a lovely. Danny. I mean, it's I like a, the idea of a pride, Danny. I think that's uh, it's a wonderful idea. Oh, they're there on set fire to London. It's the other bunch of Muppets that do. Oh, did you say set fire to London? Sorry, I, yeah. I, well, I'm not going to I'm not going to lump the pride guys in with that. I did not. No, that. not. Let's edit no. that out. Should we yes. move on? Yeah, just it's... Uh, quickly, sorry, before we move on, Chris's tribute, one is fantastic, so if you are listening, just... I don't get video, it. You know, just to have a look. You don't but get it? Because I don't know like, who they signed. Rock star, Bri Brian Gill, or Hill, I, yeah. I assume you pronounce it. Who's oh, apparently from Atletico. Apparently a very good player. Um, but the, the thing that makes me laugh is, because obviously we're English, most people are just going to say Gill. It instantly makes me think of the character Gill, who's constantly losing his job or worrying about money in The Simpsons. <laughs> which, which is Spurs first, all over it. Yeah, it's because the most... <laughs> his first Instagram post about being a Spurs player. Now, I'm not sure if this is real or not. It could have been Darren Berry winding me up. <laughs> but I didn't see it on his Twitter account, but it might have been reposted from his. But it did genuinely say, I'm really excited to join the club. And win, and now normally it would say trophies or titles, chat or challenge at least. It actually said win points. Points. 
<laughs> Which, if that's genuine, that is, a is genuine. Of a player, that is a sign of a player genuinely understanding what level of football club he's going to. <laughs> I know is. we're not. I know we're not great at the moment, but they can still make you laugh at least. They'll always be worse. I mean, let's be honest. Even if they finish above us, they'll still always be worse. So, as this is your thirtieth pre-season pod, Chris, I take it you're pulling a sickie now until New Year. A sickie? Oh, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I'm just here for the bants and and the love and and all of the trolling. And then when we lose seven 0 to Brentford, you ain't going to see me until <laughs> well, until Arteta's fired and the stadium's burnt down and all the pitchforks are out. You know, um, I might buy some. Um, no, actually, I tell you what, I'll probably come on a podcast at some point moan about the ridiculously priced merchandise and then turn up the following week with it all on. That's probably my plan for the season. But uh, other than that's, that... That's quite popular on YouTube, I hear these days. It is, yeah, yeah. yeah apparently so. Um, shout out to... Um, who's the guy who uh, who spectacularly trolled him the other day? I can't remember. But shout out to that guy who tweeted him back. Fantastic work, sir. I think it might have been Chris Wheatley. Um, but yeah, I, I, I know I'm going to be... I'm trying going to try and be a good boy this year, Danny. I'm going to try and make myself a bit more available uh where possible and um i'll be as shit on podcasts as arsenal are shit on the pitch so as long as arsenal are playing well i'll i'll put in 100 percent. but the minute we win it we line up with granite jacker and mohammed on any midfield i'm going to turn up and give eh, about 10 percent maximum i think it's going to be hard to try and pry chris away from the messy train in france <laughs> yeah, i didn't want to mention it but, you know <laughs> Might be a bit more exciting to watch. Oh, you he hasn't gone there for the money. Stop, stop it. Stop it. Don't trigger me. Stop it. Trigger warning. Stop it. The yeah, boy inside him always wanted to play in France. It's not Robbie Keane, for fuck's sake. Move on. You move on. You're in charge of this bit. Well, I, I've done the intro. I mean, the, my work here is done. It's up to you now. <laughs> That's right. That's right. we, we should talk about how worried are we because not not what we not how hopeful are we but how worried are we but afternoon, do you think it's all going to be before it all starts to collapse I think that after a nil-nil tomorrow night I think it's downhill that's going to peak at nil-nil we're we're day away from the start of the season how mental is that oh. for a start I mean like it's come around doesn't it I'll let John go first on this one um, unsurprising to most, I'm not as worried as many Arsenal fans are seemingly losing their shit on Twitter. Um, Who does that? Uh, my, my one concern, and it is the, the big concern, is the creating chances. Um, Smith Rowe will make a difference. We saw that when he came in last season and the difference in the team in terms of points and consistency when he came into the team. But that was obviously offset as well by Martin Odegaard coming in. There's still rumours flying around that that might happen. I think it's, I know it would be much nicer to get all your transfer business done before the season starts. I hate the fact that they brought the window back to it being like ending halfway, like after the international break or whatever it is, is really dumb. Um, But it's just the way things are. I think that Erdegaard, if it can happen, it's one of those sort of deals that probably won't happen until the very last week of the window or maybe even the last day. Because no one really has big, big money at the moment. Um, in particular, Barcelona and Real Madrid are struggling. That's why Varane went for probably the money he did. If you think, if this was like a normal transfer window and there wasn't a pandemic and stuff, Varane would have cost more money than that. Man United wouldn't have been able to pick him up for that. That's why they went to get him. Um, all the deals that have been done have basically been free transfers or ridiculously overpriced. 
like Jack Grealish to Man City. I mean, if you're a Man City fan, it's probably exciting. I don't really see Jack Grealish working particularly well under Pep. That's a bit of a clash of cultures there. I can't imagine Grealish's party lifestyle and, you know, being, this is what you have to do. This is the section of the picture that you play and you must do these things. That doesn't sound like the sort of thing Jack Grealish is going to do. But they can afford to spend 100 million on a player and it not work. <laughs> other, other teams can't do that, you know. Um, I'm, I'm not sure how much it really improves them, to be honest. Um, you know, it just likes uh, all the new toys, though, doesn't he? Chelsea buying Lukaku, um, that's all. When they've got five other players that that can do the same job. Um, You know, uh, obviously Messi going to PSG. I know there was no transfer fee involved, but no one else could really pay the wages. And not just the wages, it's more about giving the opportunity to actually win the Champions League. That I think that was more probably important. Um, I'm sure the money helps a lot, though. But the, those sort of deals have all been fine. And every deal, basically, where the player wanted to leave, the club were happy to sell and the other club were happy to meet the fee. So, like, Arsenal have done with Tavares, Lukonga. Ben White took a little bit longer because we tried to get him for under 50, which maybe we have done, depending on the add-ons and whatever else. But it was basically always going to happen. Um, like Spurs buying the fifth member, not fifth member, sixth member of Beatles. Um, that deal was always going to happen. Um, so there's those transfers were all easy everything else is a mess like a normal window Willock would have been sold by now Enketia probably would have had more than one offer at value we wanted and we would have gone yeah okay we'll let him go Maitland-Niles maybe would have had an offer those sort of things they're all going to be last minute now it's just because no one has money so they're waiting for someone to blink first then there's money in the market that then gets moved around and you get those kind of things um, so that is that's my one one getting back to my original point one worry is getting the creativity in the team i know people are upset about jacka staying i don't have a problem with the club keeping him if roma can't meet the value we have for the player that's fine as much as jacka hasn't achieved the heights that everyone would have hoped in the time he's been here i think if you actually look at last season he probably still was one of our best players granted it wasn't a great season but if you look at the improvement from christmas onwards we would have finished i think it was third in the league or something stupid like that um, if you were just taking points from them. I know that's not how a league season works. But you, if you look traditionally at the way teams perform towards the end of seasons, into next ones, if they carry on that form, you will generally see an uptick in their performance and in the league. If we can keep that, that's great. And I think we'll do better. I don't think we're going to hit top four because I just don't think we're good enough. The squad isn't good enough. Um, to be honest, I think it's going to be City, Chelsea, Man United and then... Liverpool maybe, although their squad's quite old now. And after that, it's just the wash of teams fighting it out for fifth, sixth, that sort of position. Um, but like, I'd say if we finish fifth this season, I know, again, it's not exciting. I'd be like, right, Arteta's done a really good job with the squad he's got. I don't think you can really uh, realistically ask for more than that. And I know, and everyone's going, oh, but we're Arsenal, we should be competing for titles. You can't compete for a title against the likes of Chelsea and Man City with the money they've got. You literally would have to have the very best manager in the world, the best youth academy and the best scouting and contracts people, whatever, like the top, top people in every single department and have it all gel and kick in at the same time. I just don't think it's, it's possible to compete with those two teams. Man United probably there as well, just because of the amount of commercial revenue they make. Um, if those three teams are run properly and run efficiently basically no one else should win the title for another 
I don't know, 10, 20 years, realistically, with the money they've got to spend. It's depressing, but it's just the way football is now. True. It does worry me the fact that if we wanted Grealish and we went, oh, we'll pay 100 million, Man City will go, we'll pay 110, won't they, Chris? Mm-hmm. We'd say, oh, we'll pay 115. They'll go, we'll pay 120. Oh, you can't, no one will ever beat Chelsea and Man City at that game, will they? I mean, no, but then at the same time, I mean, we've we've known this was coming. I mean, we, you know, we invested in financial fair, fair play, didn't we? Which is kind of an ironic term. But um, no, we, we knew, I, I think, I think we just, I think John's kind of hit the nail on the head, like, and, and I do have to say that at this point, uh, I, know, I know that I've wound a few people up on Twitter this summer, Um I'm not going to apologise because, uh, to quote Conor McGregor, the champ does what the fuck he wants. Um, but, but, uh, but no, I've had a little bit of fun um, this summer, and you know, I've I've just kind of I've just kind of run with rolled with the punches and run with the, the headlines. Um, I think probably John might agree with me on this one. I'm a bit sick of the transfer window already. I mean, I've been sick of it since it opened. We've been linked with. I mean, we're always linked with a thousand players. And, you know, it gets more and more every summer. And this summer, I think because we've seemed to have a little bit of money or more importantly, we've borrowed quite a bit of money. Uh, we've And we're trying to ship so many players out, so many players in. I'm not going to sit here and, and say to you that I'm not concerned. Like, I am genuinely a bit concerned about the... Just just about everything, really. Just, just about the general malaise that seems to be in the club and... You know, as I've said a hundred times before, and as I said, you know, don't don't necessarily take everything I say on on Twitter as gospel because it just isn't. But genuinely speaking, from the heart, like I want to see Arteta do well. I want to see the players do well. I, I did put a tweet out the other day concerning Granite Xhaka, and and I said like it's important to note that just because you don't like, or in my case, I don't like or rate a certain player. Doesn't mean I hate him. Doesn't mean I want to abuse him. Doesn't mean I condone either of those two things. It just means I personally think we could move on from him and we could get a better option. That's it. It doesn't mean you hate somebody, and it doesn't mean that you, you know, you you want to boo them off the pitch or anything stupid like that. So as long as he's in an Arsenal shirt, and this goes for anyone, maybe excluding Klasenac, I'm I'll I'll back him and and I'll support them because that's what we do as fans. And and I am. I have found a little bit of, of I kind of lost a bit of love for football when there's no fans and, and it, it it did cut deep. And that's not just Premier League, that's Liga that I follow, that's every league. It just wasn't the same. Even the Euros with half crowds, I, I couldn't get fully behind it. And yes, before anyone says it, France going out probably didn't help that process, but it just didn't quite feel like proper football. Having watched the return of the French season last weekend, I sort of found myself going, I kind of like this, like this is good, you know, and, and there's that little buzz back again. And I was talking to our very own OG uh, about this the other day and saying, like, we all go into the season with that expectation. We all go in with that kind of, but what if, you know, we could finish 10th, but what if we actually surpass everybody's expectations and we're fighting for fourth in May? You know, what if we win a League Cup and FA Cup? Um, obviously Europe isn't an option this year. So there's always that what if, there's always that potential. And whilst I'm, you know, I'll be honest, pretty pessimistic about it. And uh, and I do have some concerns and I do have a lot of concerns about how not only are we, not only are we spending money, but the players we're letting go 
or or seemingly not interested in buying that are out there and available and we're focusing on players that either are unobtainable or really complicated to get done um but again having spoke to speak, spoken to og about this and a few others you know i'm just going to sit back and, and kind of see what happens now we're august the 12th i would have liked our business 90 percent have done by now i'd like us to be going into the brentford game tomorrow with a a settled harmonious squad where we know exactly who's staying and exactly who's going that hasn't happened so we deal with it we move forward and, and we see where we end up and you know when we do lose 5-0 to brentford i'll um you know, maybe I'll change my views. But uh, no, in all seriousness, I think, was it Man City and Chelsea in the first five we've got as well? <laughs> I mean, the, the only thing I would say is if you're ever going to play them, maybe now's the time. You know, City are sort of not in full throttle yet. Chelsea are going to probably have a bit of an adjustment period. I mean, I apologise in advance, listeners. The the news that uh, Romelu Lukaku is now signed for Chelsea inevitably means that he will pop up with a hat-trick against us just to rub it in my face. Um, I still think he's a fraud, by the way. But um, yeah, I just, um, I just, I, I'm just, I'm cautiously, well, extremely cautiously optimistic, and I don't have any real expectations, and we'll come on to where I think we'll finish maybe later on, but I'm, I, I'm sort of, I'm the proverbial swan. On the surface, I'm, I'm calm and ready. Underneath, I'm furiously paddling in the hope that I can keep myself afloat. So, I guess we'll see, right? Do you remember the days when pre-season you'd have all your new transfers ready on the first day of pre-season? They'd all be there and they're all in the kits, all looking lovely. Austrian you'd have all pre-season with them. When mm-hmm. when did that change? What the the well the fact I mean, that we that we finished our our summer signings sometime in September. I mean, probably before the invention of a lot of large amounts of of sport washing and money and corruption and all that goes in between. Really, I mean, it was a different league, wasn't it, back then? And th- and it's weird to even say that because we're talking about less than ten years ago, really, aren't we? But it's it's all changed now. It's not clubs are all everybody's got an agent. Doesn't matter how old you are. Everyone's got a boot deal. Everyone's got image rights. You know the fact that deals still get done via fax machine blows my mind. Really, I mean, it's not just that. Is it? it's, the, it's the amount of money that other Premier League clubs have now. Yeah, because yeah, of the yeah. TV deals, it's so different. Yeah, like. If we, I mean, if you go back to like mid to late 90s, early 2000s, basically, if you if we were Arsenal and we wanted to buy a player from pretty much any club barring maybe United, Liverpool and Tottenham for obvious reasons, like if it, if it was like Arsenal were interested in one of those players, we'd, we'd get them. There'd be no issue. It would just be whether we wanted to pay the money or not. It wouldn't be a problem. The player would be like, oh, hey, I want to play for Arsenal. Yeah, they win titles and they're in Europe and, and they can pay me good money. I can go, you know, play for Arsenal. Wenger is this amazing new coach and everything else. And then TV deal got bigger and bigger. Chelsea got loads of money. So they basically had the same position that we were in, but even better, to be fair, because they could pay so much more. And then slowly other clubs went, oh, hang on a minute, we've got this TV money. If we start spending it more smartly... We can bump the price up of our players and inter, like deals between fellow Premier League clubs became more and more expensive. Um, and the market just got even more squeezed. I think I was listening to a podcast the other day. I can't remember if it was Ask Blog or someone else. But like the median sort of deal for a player in like normal non-COVID times is like 40 million for like a midfielder, yeah. which is ridiculous. 
Yeah, you know, I mean, unless you literally go go to France, which is obviously one of the sort of running jokes we make about Chris and the Farmers League, but the reason why teams go there is because they don't have a lot of money, and unless you're basically trying to buy from probably Lyon or PSG, most of the other teams will be like, 20 million, oh, thank you very much, you know. That, that really helps us out. We, we could really do with that money. And that's why you can get players a lot cheaper. I, w- um, I would argue any in France right now. All jokes aside. Yeah, yeah. The TV but that, that's, that's the case. I mean, well, that will very quickly change now, obviously, I'm sure. There'll yeah. be so much more stuff being done, like rush through every company in the world's banging down on, uh, you know, League One's door to, to get their name emphasized all over it. Um, but that, that's Haven't kind of... gone with Amazon? Yeah, they have, yeah. Yeah, but... That's kind of why the market is stalled because, I mean, like obviously everyone knows I follow a lot of Syria. There's not been tons of moves there. And clubs like Inter, Inter just win the title, Conti leaves, and they've just sold their star striker, Lukaku. Right, it was a really good amount of money. But in any normal circumstances, if COVID hadn't happened, they wouldn't need to sell Lukaku. It might have got to a point where he's really pushing for it and they go, oh, okay, but then we're going to replace him. That money that they've got for Lukaku, they're not going to spend, they'll probably spend half of it, maybe. You know, they lost him, they lost Hakimi, they've uh, ended Nyglan's contracts. All these sorts of things are happening to so many big, like, name established clubs all over Europe. Like, the mess at Barcelona isn't just messy. There's so much more going on. Like, Aguero probably won't be registered till January to actually play for him. I know he's injured, so that's, like, convenient. If he even plays for them. Yeah. yeah. Is is the pie going to get registered? All these other players? They've still got so many people they're going to need to move out to lower their wage bill. Madrid are not in a good situation either. These are huge, huge football clubs. And it when you see, say, like Arsenal go, oh, okay, we've spent 50 million on Ben White. And they go, and then fans will say, well, hang on a minute. If you've got that money, why can't we go and get our attacking, you know, attacking midfielder we need or a centre mid or... Why couldn't we have let Jack go for less money than we wanted and get a different centre mid in? Well, that's fine if those players that you want are there available at the right price. But if they're not, you can't go, oh, well, we're not going to buy this centre back just because the price is this and, uh, you know, that might prevent us from getting something else. I don't think there's um, I don't think the money is as big an issue at Arsenal as people make out because we wouldn't have been able to outlay the money we have already. I think it's more the number of players we have in the squad that are not needed that need to go first. And the simple fact is that most people don't, either they don't want them or they're not in a position to buy them. That's that's the big issue. So I, I don't think it's that Arsenal have been slack on the transfer front because the amount of talk that's been going around all summer and see like we all speak to Simon and other people and sometimes get some sort of behind the scenes stuff. There's been plenty going on and it's non-stop and there still is, but until some of those players from the squad that aren't needed are moved on, there's not a lot they can do, uh, unfortunately, because otherwise we're going to find ourselves in a situation like we had before. We had Mustafi, Ozil, all these extra players. And it may come to that, like, by the time the transfer window ends, there might be, you know, someone like Kalasinic might still be at the club because we just couldn't find him anywhere to go. And it might be a case that they have to go, right, we're going to have to suck up another five million or whatever to pay him off. Um that's that's not excusing Arteta or Edu of their responsibility um, of what they have to do in the transfer window. It's just to try and explain how difficult it is for them and everyone else. Like this is 
to ha- to have basically two guys who have not zero experience in Edu, obviously, but Edu has zero experience in terms of Europe in these sort of contracts, and Arteta is not a coach, but as a manager, as near th- near to zero experience. That's a huge ask of anyone, um, you know, whatever level you've got at your club, um, and we can't do the things that Chelsea and City do. So that's that's where I have some sympathy for them. Um, it's a bit like the Ramsdale thing, I guess. Should we talk about that? The Ramsdale thing, Danny? Yeah. Like, I, I don't know a ton about the guy. Um, lots of people telling me he's conceded over 100 goals and everything. I've watched videos of him, and I remember watching some games where he was amazing against things like Liverpool, just making save after save, and then other games where he looked like he was throwing it in the back of the net. But whilst it might seem a lot for a goalkeeper... It doesn't look like it's going to happen now, but if we had have paid the 24-plus add-ons or whatever for him, I think for a 23-year-old English goalkeeper that could feasibly be at your club for eight years, that's not really a lot of money. And I don't think them trying to sign a goalkeeper or Rams uh, try, or trying to sign him specifically or for that amount of money is what's preventing them from going to get their attacking midfielder or whatever. It's very clear the attacking midfielder they want is Martin Odegaard. And they will try everything up until the last possible minute to make sure it's him. It makes sense. Hello, Kat. Um, <laughs> so I, I understand people's frustration with it and maybe they don't like Ramsdale. Maybe he's not that good a goalkeeper. I don't know enough about him. Um, but they pursued him for so long, so they must think he's got the qualities to do it. I don't think the fee is the issue. Um, you know, I, it's... I mean, Chris, you've, you've spoken, I've seen you tweet, you know, all summer about different midfield options that are out there that are available. It's not like there aren't players there, but they're clearly not on their list of targets, are they? Yeah, that's, 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 I, I guess I, I would just, I kind of like to be in Mikel Arteta's mind for a day. And I, I may not last a day before I run screaming to the, the neighborhood, but, um, I just, I just, I think this is why, where I worry about like the football we play and the style. I'm, I, I'm not. I, I think he's a really, really good coach, like a really good coach. I'm not sure about his man management, um, and I'm not sure about his managerial ability, um, and that includes the tactics. But whatever you think of him and his style, methods, whatever, he's a very good coach, and and a very good coach normally has a very clear identity about what they want to do, how they want to play. And as a result of that, they build a team in their image, in the image that they want to field and the players they want to field. And I sort of feel like Mikel's kind of not making up as he goes along. That's harsh. But do you know what I mean? It's it's almost like a bit, well, we'll get what we can get. And then when they're in, we'll see what we can make fit. And my worry with that is we're busy shipping out players that didn't fit him previously. And now we're kind of scratching around for players that might not fit again. And you can trace this back to we were all delighted when Aubameyang signed his contract. We are really very delighted now, are we? Because <laughs> because we've got a player who's yeah really the, the striker thing at Arsenal is very weird to have two yeah, strikers that cost that money, but yeah. seemingly neither quite works. Yeah, hundred million quid's worth, and you know you know you know my love for Lacazette. I'm I'm I would absolutely have no issue with us upgrading Lacazette. I mean, personally, if it's between him and Alba, I would be I know which one I'd be keeping. And that's not just about the current form. That's about the the leadership, the you know the, the professionalism off the pitch, the the ability to work with younger players, um, you know the work rate, the adaptability. I just think he's a 
I just think he's a he's a player you can get more out of in the, in the next two years. Whereas Alba is, you know, he's very much like if he's on form and he's scoring goals, brilliant. Does he offer you much else? Not really. Um, and and it's not all his fault because he's not a left winger. He's never been a left winger. He will never be a left winger. He's being shoehorned into that role because you know Mikel obviously wants him in the side. Um, but to go back to like your original point about midfielders and, and names, and th- this is kind of the frustration I have. Is it? And don't get me wrong. Obviously, I don't work for the club. I don't know what the club have seen. I don't know about some of the names we've been linked to. How genuine you, the interest is. But what I can't get my head around is Erdegaard. I I would break heaven and, and high earth for because I just think he fits what we want to do, and he's clearly a player Mikel Arteta thinks an awful lot of. And he made a massive impression on not just the manager, but the coaching staff, his fellow professionals. And some people are saying, well, he didn't really do much in the league, did he? He only got one goal in Europe. Yeah, but look at how much better we were when we had him, Saka and Smith on the same side. The fluidity, the the quick movements, the the sort of the Santi Cazorla ability to link midfield and 10 to strikers, which we don't have now. So I would move heaven and, and higher for him. But then when I look at the other players we're being linked to, James Madison is a very talented player young English footballer. Um, but the biggest problem I have with that is James Madison is the biggest fan of James Madison you've probably ever seen. You know, you think Grealish is a fan of himself. Madison loves himself. And to a degree, I back that because he backs his own ability. But you've got a manager who's, who's and again, this is not a, you know, I know what people are going to say. Oh, you're talking about the French players. But he's willing to bin off Ganduzi because he's outright, you know, he's he's a bit he's a bit of a spiky character and causes a bit of unrest. And yet potentially he's and we we don't know how real it is, but chasing a player who for me, Madison is another one of these flaky players that on form, he's brilliant. And he and he does brilliant things. But he's had one England cap. He spent most of last season sort of in and out of patchy form and injured. And we're talking about sixty million pounds. If I'm spending £60 million, I want either four players that are, you know, Lakonga hmm. level. So not El Nene, you know, nothing against Mohammed, but not limited players, but players like Lakonga who cost you 10, 12 million quid, who are maybe not going to be the very top tier. Newsflash, Arsenal are not top tier right now. It's just fact. But I want four or five players that are of that value that add to our squad um, and that contribute to our squad over a season before we can then potentially rebuild, move those players on in a few years when their value's up and get better ones in. Or I want us to spend 25, 30 million on two players and reinforce the squad where we need it, i.e., a right back, you know, a potentially a competition at, at centre forward because we need that right now. Balogun, I, I, think, I think he's going to go all the way to the top. I think he's got the raw ingredients of a really good player, but he's not played a minute of Premier League football yet. That's too much pressure. Lacquer and Albazet? Uh, no, Lacquer and, and Aubameyang. You know, we don't know what we're going to get. You know, they Aubameyang might get a goal off his arse and suddenly his form transforms again. But I'm sceptical on that one, if I'm honest. And Lacquer, you know, as much as I love him, you know you're only going to get 15 max a season from him at his age now. And injuries are going to creep up the older he gets because of his body shape and his, his you know, style of play. Um... So for me, if you're willing to spend £60 million on a Madison, I would much rather spend that in three different departments. And yet, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm going to go there. If you can get Hussam Oar for under €20 million, Euros, what, what's changed? Like what, what? I mean, actually, I know what's changed. 
Um, Mikel Arteta, based upon, I mean, again, I, I wasn't in the room, but speaking to people that, that would know, and, and particularly people that know Leon very well, this is not an Arsenal sort of ITK thing, but this is almost a Leon ITK thing. Three different people who are very close to Leon all said to me when I asked them the question about last season and he had that moment where he was, oh, is he going to go? Is he going to stay? He had a moment after a Leon game where he refused to warm down after the game. He sat on the bench and basically moaned the entire time. He was a, a disruptive influence behind the scenes. And he essentially downed tools and said, look, this ain't for me anymore. I want out. And, and Leon said, well, sorry about that. That's unfortunate because we're not selling you for a penny under 40 million. And yet a season later, a player that we identified as being a great fit for the midfield role, who gave us options at, at not just six and eight, but also 10, can play three different positions and at a push can play left midfield. Far better than Aubameyang ever will, by the way. And yet, you know, eight months later on, we've decided that he's suddenly not worth half the price we were willing to pay for him last season because he had a little bit of a hissy fit because we wouldn't pay the money that Leon quite rightly requested for a player of that value last season. What like? I mean, it's quite obvious that Mikel Arteta hates French people. It is um, very clear. <laughs> it's very, very clear. You know, I fully... It, no, the, the OR thing is weird because it's not like Arsenal were the only club interested in it. No. I mean... There were so many clubs and then like no one and the the, the value he's at now, it's like surely someone's going to come in for him. I did see a story today that Arsenal, I mean, again, it, it, we get linked with everyone constantly. Arsenal now may look back at OR and go back in there. Um, it, is, it, is, it is genuine, by the way. The interest is genuine. There's been contact yeah. media, apparently, yeah. Yeah. Um, I can kind of see Arteta's point I mean, the story about OR obviously not warming down and, and, you know, basically having a hissy fit and stuff. He's had problems with players like that and he's trying to create this much more harmonious dressing room, which he seems to have done for the most part now. Mm. Whether people agree about the Gwendouzi thing or not, that's that's up to them. That's fine. That's their opinion. He, he could go on to be a great player or, you know... He's always going to be a dick, don't get me wrong. Yeah, he's always, he he is, is always going to be a dick. But he was our dick. <laughs> um... But that, that's the way Arteta wants his dressing room to be. And I, it's fine. I don't have a problem with that. I, I think it is, you know, if you're the manager or head coach, whatever you want to call them, you have to follow their rules as a player. And, uh, you know, and I, I think I stand behind him on that. doesn't necessarily mean you're always going to get to keep your best players because, unfortunately, a lot of the very, very best players are complete dickheads. Um <laughs> Arsenal fans should know that for one. Uh, Nicholas Anilka, prime example. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, you know, it's one of those things. So I do back him on that. So I do wonder if now we'll go back in for a while. Mm. I, the, the other thing that I found interesting with most of the people that we've been linked with or heavily linked with and look like we were going to do deals for, obviously we already signed Ben White. Um, there's been the links to Tammy Abraham, some reports saying that... Uh, contracts like personal terms are agreed it's just whether we can meet Chelsea's valuation um obviously there's the Ramsdale one which looks like now it's fallen through but reports that maybe that's going to come back on we'll, we'll see what happens and James Madison they're all English now the homegrown quota has changed uh since previously and it has gone up obviously we are trying to get rid of some homegrown players uh we look to Newcastle maybe will maybe won't happen no, Mike Ashley will probably wait till the last day of the fucking window and try and get as many, like the last pence off the price um, just to piss off the Newcastle fans as well. Um, but I do have a suspicion that 
we haven't really felt, to get slightly political, the full effects of Brexit yet in the Premier League. Um, and uh, our new, I don't know what his official title is. What is Dick Garlic's official title? Richard Garlic, um, Head of Vegetables, I believe. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm not sure. I, I, I'll look I, it up. Yeah, it's something, it's whatever his official title is anyway. But he was obviously a long time at West Brom, knows the Premier League very well, but he was working for the Premier League. Now, obviously... Director of football. Director of football, there we go. Yeah. Um, obviously, when Brexit was all official and voted for, the Premier League had to start putting things in place and try and work out plans. And I'm sure they had lots and lots of plans. And I'm sure that Mr. You know, Mr. Garlic was privy to a lot of these things. It would not surprise me in the least bit that if might not be next season, might not be two seasons away, but it would not surprise me at all that if in a couple of seasons the homegrown quota gets a lot bigger than it currently is. And there is a reason why Arsenal and not just Arsenal, lots of Premier League clubs are trying to sign a lot more English players. Because if you if you say you took the homegrown quota and increased it by three or four players from what it currently is, I can't remember what the exact figure is. If you increased it by that many, imagine how much Ben White would cost if that was the rule now. It wouldn't be 50 million. He'd probably be 100 million just because the, the already English tax would just get even bigger than it already is. So I do think that is part of the reason why they're looking at more English players. Um, but I do think Arteta is smart enough because he looked at Madison and said, we will not pay the 60 million or just over 60 million, which is why there's been so many reports about we'll pay cash plus have this lovely Ainsley mate Niles or maybe you'd like a Joe Willock thrown in the deal because it reduces the cost for us and also, oh, look, we get these players off the books that we don't necessarily want here anymore. It's, you know, getting two birds stoned at once kind of thing. <laughs> just, just, just to clarify, John, what you're basically saying is um, get these bloody foreigners out of our club. We want English. I, I get oh, it. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, just, it's, you know, it's awful. Yeah, I know. Just so everyone's clear, you know, we're, we're <laughs> you massively... You know how much I... I've, I've always had a hatred for the French ever since Arsenal we, came in and all those French players in and we won all those titles and doubles and everything. I can't stand them. <laughs> we're uh, XBW, Xenophobe, Bergkamp, Wonderland, moving forward. Looking, so, uh, uh, looking back at some of the stuff you are talking about before, one of the new one of the new boys who wanted to push for the top four, Everton, they've got two free transfers and a bloke that cost them 1.7 million, Damari Gray. And then... They're meant to be. They've got a manager that the fans don't want. They're they're not. They've not strengthened the squad. I mean, you don't get um, Berkovic if you if you're trying to um, strengthen your squad. But then you look at. You mean Begovic? Begovic Berkovic. I am Berkovic. Played for West Ham twenty years. Got kicked by John Arson. Got kicked to the head. Yeah, yeah. And then you look at having to let players go. Did you know? Do you realise that West Ham bought Philip Anderson? From Lazio two, three years ago for 36 million. They let him go back um, in this transfer window for two and a half million. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a 31 million pound loss in three seasons. Yeah. And he did bugger all while he was at West Ham. If you if you actually look in the Premier League of the transfers and stuff that have happened so far, I mean, Villa are the one team that have come out of this and done very well this summer. They had to appease the, the fans, didn't they? Well, because of the Jack Reish thing, and they've actually done what looks like some sensible deals. Like Wendy, uh, I think will probably be pretty good for him. It's always hard to see how a player will adjust from Championships Premier League. Obviously, he's got some experience already. I think Danny Yings, if he can stay fit, is a really good signing. Um, he's one who personally, if 
our striker situation was a bit different. If we could have got him for 2025, he was the sort of guy I would have won. Yeah, I'll take a punt on him. And, you know, we've got Martinelli and we've got, um, I don't know, uh, uh, Balogun if he doesn't go out on loan. You know, we've got some options there. So I do think he's a he's a much better player than perhaps, well, I don't know, Villa might finish above us. <laughs> Who fucking knows? <laughs> but, you know, at that level. Um, but they're really the only team sort of outside of the top three or four who've done any business. Like Liverpool have done, what, fuck all. They bought one player from um, yeah. They bought Germany. the centre-back, didn't they? Um, yeah, Canate is a, he's yeah. a hell of a signing, by the way. But he's, yeah, he's a very good player, but you look at their squad, it's a lot older now. Um, Mane slowed down, Firmino's yeah. dropped deep. And but they're, it's they're, Van Dijk effect, isn't it, for them? It's yeah, Van Dijk coming out. back is going to be good for them, but like I know people don't like him, Jordan Henderson, for example, but he's a really important player for them. And I don't know how many games they're going to get out of him this season. Like with his injury proneness. So if you're a team like Liverpool that in their fans' eyes, and maybe rightly so, they should be pushing for the title, but they had a terrible campaign last season but still managed to finish third. But that squad's just getting older and older and they're not spending money. Yeah. But is, it, but is it's, this... it's a very weird market. Is this is this the I guess the the only count would have to that and I, I agree with everything you said there. This is not like a or, you know a, a soapbox thing, but the only sort of devil's advocate to that is is this not the time for us to be going? Do you know what? No one else is improving. No one else is spending. Let's try and get back ahead here. I mean, I I would argue, and I, I'm sure Drew will watch this and cringe his head off when I say this, but. I would argue. (laughs) Well, well, he's he's won, but I was more thinking. You mentioned Aston Villa, so Aston Villa have gone out and bought Leon Bailey from Bayer Leverkusen. Mm. Now, yes, he's a little bit Usain Bolt, all pace and no brains. I don't mean that Usain Bolt has no brains. I mean footballing terms. Um, He is a little bit of a busted flush in terms of end product. Like he's very he's very streaky, and he has this weird sort of thing that he played very well against like Bayern and Dortmund, but then didn't turn up at Schalke or Leverkusen, uh, Wolfsburg. So he's one of those kind of players. But I, when if you said to me you can have Leon Bailey or or, or William, I know who I'm picking. You know, and, I'm, and and he might be squad fodder for us, but Villa played, what, is it 20 million for him, I think? Something like that? Yeah, no, I, I don't disagree. But again, I think it's you're buying a guy for a position where we have a lot of options yeah and i mean we're we're not necessarily i don't disagree with the sentiment necessarily yeah I it's think not the, necessarily that that player yeah. i'm just sort of like yeah. talking like in general are there players like a leon bailey of that value that you could have got i think there probably know? are out there the 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 one thing i think leon bailey is kind of a weird slightly odd example because like you said he is a bit streaky so you're not quite sure what you're going to get um there probably are more players out there with the right value that you can get, but we're in this sort of awkward position of like, if we had a ton of money, you could go, Oh, uh, Bernardo Silva. I know you've been offered to Arsenal, but you didn't want to come or he's an extra. We'll give you 200 grand a week. Come play for us. Mm-hmm. It's fine. And it was, Oh, okay. Suddenly we've got, there's our extra creative player. Sweet. Okay. Cause Madrid don't want to sell us Odegaard or something. Um, uh, we'll go and get, I don't know, some centre mid, I can't think of one off the top of my head now, like perfect and we'll let Xhaka go and all that sort of thing. All those types of players generally are going to be, that will get us, bump us way back up the table, say to compete for top four. They're not going to be 23 to 26, are they? Realistically, they're going to be 27 to 30. Then maybe, say we get back into top four, 
it's then you have to maintain it. We'll probably be playing in more ways than we want to. And then in a couple of years' time, do we then find ourselves in another situation where we go, oh, it's not William we're worried about anymore because his contract's run out. But now we've got, you know, um, this other guy in who's on stupid money who maybe he can't be bothered anymore. And he's like, I'll, I'll move if someone else, you know, in the MLS or someone in Spain will pay me this grand a week. Yeah, basically that, yeah. that kind of thing. So I, I, I like the approach that the club are taking now that they're like, I think that is a clear, genuine tactic of we want young players. Um, you know, they're even doing it at a youth level where they're picking up players who might be fallen out of a, a youth development team and going, right, yeah, we can give you a year or six-month contract and see if you work out, and then if we can flip you for some money, great. If not, then it's not a huge loss to us. So, like, Lukonga, I think Lukonga's going to be a good player. Um, yeah, I've been impressed with what I've seen. Yeah, I, I've he's, been... He's ready, isn't he? Yeah, he looks way more ready than I expected him to be. Mm. Um, and, again, Drew, as usual, is spot on with these sort of things. He watches way too much football, that man. I don't know how he manages it. Um, he turned into me five years ago. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, you know, like, Ben White... I know 50 million sounds like a lot, but you put that over the length of his contract and the fact he's on 80 grand a week, it's less than the Varane deal. That's, that's yeah. the way it's immortized. And if he stays at the club for, you know, seven, eight years, that's really, five. yeah, even five years, that's really good price for what you're mm. actually getting. And the fact is, if you keep him for five years and you sell him when he's 28, he's going to be, you know, that much more developed an England player, centre back, probably, you know, he could be England captain, who knows? But that's, um, that's, that's an underrated that's, deal. That's, that's you know, yeah. And I, those deals for us, because of the position we're in, I think that's the, the market we have to swim in, kind mm. of. Almost the way that we sort of jealously looked at Leicester for a, a past few seasons with some of the signings they've had. And but that, but, but they're, they're a good example. So, like you said about Leon Bailey is a bad mm. example. So, I'll chuck two more at you just, just mm. to sort of uh, comparison. So, Max Ahrens at Norwich... Yeah, that's so, very quiet, t- isn't it? Ticks a lot of boxes. English, young, quick, streaky, Norwich, cheap. Yeah. <laughs> he ticks a lot of boxes, you know, for, for us. And, you know, he's the classic. He'll probably do more going forward than he will actually defensively yeah. as a defender. So he ticks a lot of Arsenal boxes there. Um, <laughs> another one that I'll pull out of out of, my, out of the blue just because I, I really like him as a player and I'm intrigued to see whether A, Barcelona can actually register him, but B, whether he plays. Um, Emerson Royale, who was on loan at Betis last season. So he was, co- he was co-owned by Barcelona and Atletico Madrid for a combined uh, 24 million euros. I know okay. it's one of those. So they, they both paid 12 million, 12 million euros each for him when he was at yeah. Atletico Minero, I think it was. So they brought him in as a joint deal. Atletico signed off their deal and he, he became a Barcelona player. He then went on loan to Betis last season and was fantastic. Again, young, dynamic, attacking fullback, you know, basically the Brazilian Kieran Tierney on the opposite mm. side. Um, maybe not quite as, you know, not quite it's as Kieran Tierney as Kieran Tierney yeah. is, but, you know, um, would offer you the same sort of style as a fullback on the opposite yeah. side, a bit more dynamic than Bellerin. Um, so he's gone back to Barcelona this summer from having had a brilliant season at, at Betis. You know, again, it's one of those that with Barcelona and the mess they're in, if you'd have gone to them and said, I'll give you, you know, 10 million euros, mm. you're probably looking at a deal there because they're going to look at it and say, well, who would we rather register, Memphis Depay or a right-back? Bellerin has um, Barcelona DNA still, doesn't he? Who? Bellerin. 
Well, I mean, technically, yeah, you could maybe palm one off and bring one in. But, yeah. you know, the Max Aaron's one in particular, I say that. I think the, the Max Aaron's one, I, I, the price I saw was like 30 to 35 or something. Yeah, but, but not if you go to Norwich with a bad... I think, the, pro- I think the problem is, is because the money they got for Buendia, I don't know that they necessarily need it. But, you, but, but what you could do with Norwich is you could say, hi, we've got this uh, uh, one owner, slightly damaged, uh, phone him in Eddie and Katia. Uh, one yeah. careful owner, you know, and we'll, we'll we'll chuck him your way, you know. Because I'm Norwich sure that I'm sure those it. I'm sure those sort of deals are being looked at. That's the thing. Mm. I, I don't think that they're not. I think it's they've got a clear like priority list of you know a goalkeeper attacking mid. I don't know which one's higher. Um, yeah. To be fair, the, the goal the goalkeeper should be higher. Um, and I'll I'll be brief because I know we've, we've yeah. got a lot to discuss. But you said about the Ramsdale deal earlier on, mm. so I'm in the camp of. I don't actually think he's a bad goalkeeper. Mm. I actually think there is potential for him to almost do the Pickford where he goes full yeah. circle. He has a great season, breaks through. Everyone's like, wow, this goalkeeper's great. Then he drops a few bollocks mm. for, for Bournemouth and for Sheffield United. And everyone goes, oh, he's a bit shit. And then he has a great Euros as Pickford did yeah. or a great season. And I actually think with a better defence in front of him, he's probably quite a good goalkeeper. My only issue is I'm not sure he's a £24 million goalkeeper. And 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 I'm gonna do it. Sorry, I'm gonna open the box, Mark Martinez. And this is not a, this is not a me crying because he's gone. He sold it. We, we're over it. It's done. But it but it's the long term thinking. We sit there last summer and we take twenty million pounds, which I completely agree with everybody who said it at the time was a good deal because you know it was a good deal financially. But for me, he was and still is a better goalkeeper than Bernardo certainly with his feet, certainly with his distribution, and more importantly than all of that, his command of his back four. Very he was shouty. the only player you could hear everything mm-hmm. he said when he was in that Arsenal goal. Leno doesn't give you that. So I, I personally would have said, if I was going to sell a goalkeeper last season, when Leno was out injured, you say, Bert, you've been fantastic. We've enjoyed you. You got injured. That's unfortunate. But the ruthless side of football is you keep the goalkeeper who's performing, Manchester United. You know, De Gea's playing like shite. In comes whatever is at Henderson. Yeah. He's kept his place because he's, he's yeah. performing. And I, I, that... I do think the Martinez one was difficult, though, because, I mean, from everything... And Martinez has said it himself, and he's done plenty of fucking interviews. Um, yeah. <laughs> basically said, if I don't, if it's not 100%, I'm number one, I'm leaving. Yeah, and, and, that, and that's where I back Mikel Atessa, because... Because you you want a player who's willing to fight, but yeah. if it was a player who you know been at Arsenal for two years, three years, even I'd have said fair enough. And he was there for eight, nine, ten years. He fought it almost Chesney-esque. He finally got his opportunity. I just think Arteta in that position could have been stronger and said, "You know what, Emmy? The truth is, I can't guarantee you'll be number one. What I can guarantee is you've got the shirt right now. So you've yeah. got pre-season to show me that you keep the shirt." And the thing is, you don't. The, the problem is, we don't know if Arteta said that to him, and he still said no. Or whatever. Well, that's and and that's that's, that's, and the, that's, where. that's the that's the real thing. And I think like twenty million now might look cheap, but at the time, it was a guy who had no Premier League experience at all. Yeah, everywhere he played, he'd been garbage. Let's be fair, he'd been pretty bad. Um, he was don't get me wrong, he was phenomenal when he came for us, and I'm really glad that he, he got his chance and he. He played really well. I know it's a very brief period of time, but like that's that's good for him. Um, but that money really helped us because we had to 
pay off a certain German. Well, oh yeah, yeah. We needed them. They were paying cash, and we needed all the cash to go and get parted yeah. for his release clause. So, so as as I say, I'm I, I'm not I'm not saying you know it, it's not me going. Oh, I mean, you know, as I say, yeah. personally, I'd have kept him. But the bigger picture is we've shipped in or shipped out a goalkeeper for twenty million, yeah. and a year later we're talking about buying. Uh, you know, a less proven and unexpected, you know, there's no guarantee Ramsdale will be good. So my question to you would be, well, two questions. A, do you think Leno's actually good enough, you know, long term? Because to me, the biggest worry with Leno is not just his ability. I don't think he wants to be there. Yeah, I, I mean, that's that's why the Ramsdale thing didn't bother me. People saying you can't spend that much money on a second choice keeper. It's like he's not a second choice keeper. He's going to be buying him to compete with, with Leno this season and then, and then Leno's leaving. Leno next summer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So with that in mind, would you go, you know, X-rated and, and, and spunk it up the wall for a Ramsdale or, a, you know, a player of that ability? Or do you go to a Newcastle and you have a little word with a Freddie Woodman? Do you go to a Watford and you get an established, you know, a Ben Foster, somebody who, yeah, yeah. sure, he's not going to, he's going to Richard Wright it a bit. He may not come in and give you, six seasons but he will come in and potentially be your number one uh throughout the season or be th- a very good backup you i know, think you know that if if they could do like a loan deal like they did with matt ryan like matt ryan would have been the perfect yeah then he got injured, for a season yeah and then he got injured um but yeah that's basically if they can't i i kind of like this approach at the moment of certain positions if you've got the time to do it and I think because Leno will be here for at least this season, doesn't look like he's leaving now. Um, if we can get in a Matt Ryan type, you know, whether it's a Ben Foster or, you know, whoever it was, a competent, experienced Premier League goalkeeper you can trust and you can say, right, um, you're probably playing the cup games. We don't know how many of those are going to go. Up. We've obviously got no Europe, but if there's any injuries or form problems, you'll be straight in the team and we, we back you. We know your ability. We've got no worries. You can come in, you'll have a lovely time. I'll be. I, I take that for for this season. If we can't get the player that they've either, if if Ramsdale is the guy they really want and they really think that player is there and the value is there in it and they can't do the deal this summer because of valuation and they have to wait till next summer, then I would quite happily take that and go right. Okay, we like whoever it is in the contracts or whatever department. Right, go. Here's a list of all the goalkeepers. Just go find one of them and get them on loan. That can't be that hard to do. Go, go do that uh, and then ring Edu up and say, right, Edu, uh, we're going to do the goalkeeper thing next summer, take that extra money, get run with on the phone and go, right, Odegaard, how much? Just get it done now. That, that to me, is the sensible thing to do. Well, um, Willie Calabero was let go by Chelsea, wasn't he? Perfect yeah. backup older goalkeeper. You know, they, so they, there's keepers there for it, but I, I think that that approach I appreciate from the club because in the past, what would have happened is we don't get Ramsdale, so we go, oh, well, we were going to spend this much on a goalkeeper. Let's go find another one. Uh, oh, here's this guy. We'll spend that money that we have for Ramsdale on him. And he's not the target, and he wasn't the player that you actually wanted or the type of player that you wanted. The fact they're not doing that anymore, I think, is a good sign. It does, however, mean that it takes longer to get all these trans- you know, get these transfers done because you have these set of targets and these are the ones you want. Um there's so many clubs have got players they want to get rid of. There's got to be some way you can work a deal. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm sure there is. And I, just on holiday, isn't he? He's, he's had three or four holidays during this summer. 
Yeah, just, but just he's still he's still getting stuff done. Uh, you know, when you look at the fact that for, for, for this time last year, January window, this window, that's three windows. We've known that that um, Nelson and Maitland Niles have no future at the club. That's three windows. They'd have been at the club and got no future. We got Suarez. Who is what I always like to say that you need a couple of decent utility players. He, we, we know the positions he can play in, and it seems like Tivage can play right back and left back as well, which is really important. So maybe that does make Suarez no longer needed. But you brought him in, and now you've frozen him out halfway through the season. You were playing Xhaka at left back rather than playing him there. So you've got to look at it like you were like you implying, Chris. Is there actually any forward planning? Or is it, yeah. oh, spur at a moment. Well, what are we going to do? Oh, let's sell the goalkeeper. We need some money. Oh, we need another goalkeeper. Oh, well, let's go and buy this goalkeeper. And then, like you were saying, John, oh, he isn't available. Well, we weren't going to spend $24 million on a goalkeeper. Anybody got a goalkeeper that you take $24 million for? We've got it here in a pile with your name on. And, and, and again, go, hold on. We didn't actually need that goalkeeper. It wasn't a £24 million keeper. And we didn't want him. And I, think and, that, and I think that's what's changed, though, from the previous regime. And that's, the, unfortunately... Again, this is not to let Arteta or Edu off the hook at all, but they are still dealing with the leftovers and the remnants of that. It's a lot smaller than it was before, but they're having to deal with it in a transfer market where no one has money and no one wants most of our players. That's the reality of it. So that's why it makes it so difficult. It's, it's not it's, an excuse. It just is to explain how difficult it is to do it. I'm not for a minute suggesting we've got the finance to do this. And um, apologies, I need to step away in a second just to give somebody a call because there's been something kind of mental just happened in my hometown. Um, but I'm sure by the time this goes out, you'll know all about that. But anyway, um, I, for Plymouth. <laughs> I, I wish it I wish it was that. But this is slightly more dark, unfortunately. But anyway, um yeah, I'm not. I'm not for a minute suggesting that uh, that we could go and do what PSG have done in the in the sense of Kalor Navas and G, uh, Jim Luigi Donnarumma, but that's the example of a club. And again, as I say, I'm not saying we've got anywhere near their sort of money. Clearly, we haven't. But that's the sort of idea of what you're looking at. Where do PSG need Donnarumma right now? Because they had Kalor Navas is one of the best goalkeepers in in the world even now. And even if they didn't have him, they could have recalled Ariola, who's now gone to West Ham. Um, they had um, Innocent, who's the young goalkeeper who could have come through. They've got rid of Bolker, who's gone on loan to Nice, I think, for memory. They had about eight goalkeepers. Um, even, uh, what's his name, Sergio Rico, who I think is a little bit poor, to be honest. But he would have been serviceable. But what they did instead is they went, we've got a brilliant goalkeeper. But there's this goalkeeper, Donnarumma, who's available on a free albeit with ridiculous wages, we can buy him now and take him on a free and pay him ridiculous wages and maybe have him as second choice. But Navas is getting old. He will be our number one for the next 10 years and we're not going to have to pay what it would have taken to pay at Milan next season. Mm. And you know, John, probably would have been Buffon numbers. We'd have been talking 50, 60 million if oh, he signed easy. a new deal. Yeah, yeah so, easy. So, and again, I say, I'm not for a minute suggesting Arsenal should be paying or doing those kind of deals because we couldn't pay the wages that it would have taken to get a free transfer like that over the line. But I just wonder about the, as Danny said, it's this scrabbling around, oh, well, okay, so we can't get Madison. Uh, let's get Odegaard. Oh, we can't get Odegaard. Uh, oh, God. Well, we wanted our last summer. Oh, he'll do. Mm -hmm. it's, it's like, why 
why and again we're leaving it late and i get that there's more value at the end of the window i get that but it, it's just this we knew when we sold emmy martinez and god bless him we knew after that game in man city that runison was just not it like yeah. that was a bad call you know potential was there it didn't work out he was awful it's just facts we know okon grew i can't pronounce his name don't ask danny for god's sake we know, very good we know he's <laughs> we know he's not ready yet so yeah. why why are we sat here this summer going oh okay ramsdale or maybe onana no no neto uh god, god who why did we not look at this last summer and identify a goalkeeper you know in december and start having a chat to no long-term vision yeah you know you go to sheffield united in in december and you say look here's the deal Regardless of how he plays, regardless of what happens, we want Ramsdale in, in January, in, Ju in July, sorry. How much is he going to cost us? Sheffield United say he's 24 million. And we go, okay, yeah, no worries. We'll agree to that. In principle, you've got a deal. Sheffield United relegate, get relegated. We go back in July and we say, all right, guys, uh, can't help but notice you're in the championship this season. So there's 12 million. We'll take Ramsdale because we've already got personal terms agreed. Job done. See you later. And if we really are. You know, if we're really in a great negotiation, have yourselves a Kalasinac. Go knock yourself out. <laughs> you know what I mean, like that's that's yeah. just where I feel like I feel like we've gone backwards, and I don't want to go all Gav here. Love you, Gav, if you're watching. But he won't be. under David Dean and in that era, that's what we would have been doing. Under Edu, it's a couple more sangrias. I'll make a few phone calls to a couple of agents and we'll see what's scratching around the old little bin. And how does everything take so bloody long to do a deal with Arsenal? Nobody, nobody, well, it's not just Arsenal, is it, in fairness? It's, it's, it's every deal the these days now, though. Like, the yeah. Lukaku deal should have been pretty straightforward. That took way longer than it needed to. And that was, you, um, that was into... away for one second, yep. I'll be right back. You know, the mm. Lukaku deal was a... In the set the price, Chelsea agreed the price. It should have been done in like two days. It just took way longer. But all and he's going to miss the first game of the season, isn't he? Yeah, probably. Yeah, I would imagine. Uh, I don't know who Chelsea. But I think this is why I'm feeling so. I was saying on Mike's pod, the, the Gooners <clears throat> podcast, when they're doing their 24 hour podathon, and um, congratulations to Mike, they raised over five thousand dollars during that 24 hour one, and they'd already made I think twenty thousand dollars already this year. So uh, he's, he's looking close to $30,000 for leukemia, which is uh, which is fantastic. And it was really good to be a part of that. And I won the quiz, the Who Am I? Uh, because of my knowledge of Danny Welbeck's middle names, which is, uh, I remember looking at it on Wikipedia a few days before. But I said on there that I haven't felt this oh, since the, the, end, the, the gap between George Graham, Stuart Houston, Bruce Rioch, that whole era, I was... Oh, I'm just not looking for. I, I see no light at the end of the tunnel. And then when you add into the fact that all the best players are never going to come to us, the only attraction we've got is London. And at the moment, that's not a great place to live unless you are a multi-millionaire who don't mind getting mugged every, or being threatened to get mugged, or your house to get burgled, and all these I, other horrible things that go on. I think it's understandable why you'd be disappointed or not excited about the season because you finished eighth for the row twice. A lot of the same players are still there that you've seen finish the season like that. The new signings, I think Ben White is genuinely exciting, and I think people will be more excited once they see more of Lokonga. Um, or is it Sammy? Sambi, he likes to be called, isn't it? Um, but because so many of that old squad are there, and people, one, don't like a lot of them, and two, 
know quite a few of them probably want to leave, it makes it more difficult to be excited. You've got no Europe this season as well. Um, you yeah, know. we should be looking at that as we've got no Europe. But do you, do you think that there is more pressure on Arteta now that we don't have Europe because the, the people in charge yeah. are going, you've you've only got the league really to concentrate on. You you fuck this up, and you're going to be out. And then yeah, we'll be no, the think, caretaker think, manager again. I, I think that is bigger bigger pressure for him, not just from the owners but from the fans because. Is you you've got one game a week. That's that's your one game a week to look forward to. And from recent you know, precedent of big teams, Chelsea and Liverpool, they did wonders when they weren't in it. Yeah, I do think it could be an advantage. I think the fact he's had a proper preseason with you know the squad, obviously not maybe the transfer window for us hasn't ended yet. Um, but being able to have a full week to train the team for that one game get your tactics spot on, drill it into and make them understand it. I think, you know, last season, the whole COVID thing, it was play a game every two, three days. You had no real rest. You didn't really have time to get all your tactics and ideas across. Someone like Partey, he's a very, very good player, obviously. Is he injury prone or just unlucky? I think he's just been very unlucky. And I think he he moved, he moved whilst injured then we brought him back too quickly because we were so desperate for him in that game against Spurs. And obviously yeah. that, that was a bad decision. And since then, they've been really cautious with him, which I think is fine. I'd rather that they were like, oh, we could bring you back for this, but I'd rather they were like, no, no, we'll, we'll leave him that extra game. I think that's good. Um, but he's not had a real proper pre-season with Arsenal. This has been his first one. And he's going to have like a full week now of Arteta going, right, this is what I want you to do. You're majority of the time this season he's probably going to be next to Xhaka so they know their jobs they seem to work quite well together but sometimes he might play against you know with Lokonga and it's not that Arteta necessarily needs to tell Party what to do in the game because he's a good enough player already but he might you know be telling him right okay when you're here Sammy should be here if he's not doing that obviously make sure he's moving to this position those kind of things all those little things really help you know improve the performance of a team it's a tiny little thing the amount of games last season that where, I mean, the majority of football in the Premier League last season was pretty garbage. I watched loads of games and none of them were particularly enjoyable to watch. But most of them, yeah, very flat. Obviously, no fans affected it. But most of the games were actually pretty close in terms of chances. And even the games we we lost or we drew, we created, I know we didn't create tons, but when Smith-Rowe and Odegaard came into the team, we created a lot more chances. We just didn't take them. You know, didn't take as many. And we we were much more improved from December onwards, but we could have actually been even better. And we probably would have ended up in that, whatever the Europa Conference Vanarama you know, <laughs> League is or something. Dodge the bullet there. Yeah, whatever that's called. You know, um, so I do think, you know, I know this was our first point and we just sort of wandered around it for like an hour. But I would be more optimistic. I understand fans are disappointed, but I guarantee the moment the whistle goes in the Brentford game, everyone will be like, oh, this is exciting. There's fans in the stadium. Oh, I, think, I can get behind this. And I, and I think Brentford's going to be a tough game. I think they're going to be uh, a lot harder to beat than most people realise this season in the Premier League. But I think they're also the sort of opposition that Arteta tends to do well against just because of the way they play. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to tomorrow. Yes. Everyone all right, Chris? I've I had a look at the news. Yeah, yeah. I, I just wanted to check on my nearest and dearest because uh, one person that's quite close to me is, doesn't live far from where it's all occurred. So, yeah, she's yeah. fine. So, um, 
but oh. yeah, I, I don't want to like go kind of all soppy and shit. But I hope every if anybody is watching this who's in and around that area of where I live tonight is safe and well because that sounds pretty bloody horrific. The sort of thing that just doesn't happen in place the place. Well, where the I initial live. reports are always always massively out. Um, over, go over the top with the numbers, don't they? Oh yeah, yeah. It's the the video I've seen doesn't look good at all. Um, and to my witness reports, but uh, yeah, we'll we'll keep it Arsenal. But um, yeah, I'm mm. I'm good. And I just tweeted and said anybody who asked after me, that's very kind of you. So I'm genuinely touched by that. But I'm fine. I'm with you guys. So let's mm. uh, let's carry on. Yeah, just um, talking about. Um, about um, party and saying that he's gonna he's gonna get a proper rest this time. He's gonna get a proper preseason. But then looking at the preseason, uh, Aubameyang six games, five starts and one sub, no goals. Didn't really look up for it at all. And then so someone asked me, what what has he done in other preseasons? So uh, Mark uh, and Mark Kelly and uh, Mark Andrews and Andrew Kelly. Let's get them two mixed up. One of those two's got the stats site. And it's just every preseason, every game, every lineup. I went and had a look. Obama Young has scored ten goals in thirteen preseason games for Arsenal. And this season, preseason, he's got zero in six. Does that worry you? Does that compound the problems that we had from last season? There, there's two ways I think of looking at this. Um, does his form in preseason worry me? No. Does his form in general worry me? Absolutely, yes. That that would be how I would look at this. This is a guy who's had malaria. Let's not forget that. You know, for I'm the first one to sort of jump around and go, hang on, you know, he's earning all this money and he's, you know, not down tools, but looks a player as shell of his former self. And naturally, when you sign a contract like that, eyes are on you. It's just the way it is. Um, my, my, my biggest concern is not with the fact he's getting into positions. It's the fact he's getting into positions and missing pretty badly. Like this is this is kind of getting on for Timo Werner esque levels here. Um in that he's a striker you expect to get goals and and he's just not getting them. And if much like Chelsea and Timo Werner, if we had a, a Lukaku, thank God we don't, um I wouldn't be quite as concerned purely because... Hold on, hold on. You, you can't kind of leave away with that thank God we don't have Lukaku. One of the best strikers in modern football. Don't 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 make me laugh. Um John. Don't, don't, Are you shaking don't. your head, John? Well, I'm, just, I'm not having the argument with him. I've had it just, too just, many times. Okay. Just because I'm an Inter fan and, and I was... We're all Inter fans. Into we should be celebrating. I, I just I just still think he's, he's a bit... Okay. Well, bit you say that and anyways, you carry on because we know I you're mean, wrong. It, as I say, if, if he scores 40 this season or even 20 this season for Chelsea, then fair dues. Maybe he's a better player than he was. But he certainly wasn't this player three years ago when I called him a fraud then. Anyway, moving on. Um, <laughs> I, that, that's my concern. It's like we covered it earlier on. You know, again, I, I love Lacazette. I would quite happily do inappropriate things to his groin if he had a, a groin injury. But that's an image for you, boys and girls. But he's, you know, he's a he's a player who's aging. He's a player who is naturally in decline. He is going to pick up injuries, and and again, his talent, his ability, his skill set is a penalty box penalty box poacher goal scorer link man and a player who thrives with a a Nabil Fakir behind him a Meza Ozil behind him now that doesn't mean we can't he can't thrive with a Martin Odegaard or an Emil Smith Rowe behind him of course it doesn't but I don't think he'll thrive with an Abamyang providing him assist from the left and I also don't think Abamyang will thrive playing through the middle when he's massively out of form because if we go to Brentford and he plays through the middle 
and he misses a hat full of chances and Ivan Tony pops up in the 89th minute and wins it 1-0, you know where the narrative's going to go. So, I, I, you know, I'm not ruling him out, but I do worry about his fitness in terms of not his, his physical fitness seems fine, but I do worry about how much the malaria has taken out of him as a player. Because, do you think uh, it's also a little bit of he is the star man of Arsenal yeah, and Arteta's gone... Team. You're doing what I'm telling you to do. I'm playing you out of position, and I'm the boss here. And yeah. and and Obama Young should be treated with with diamond gloves. That's not well, even I, a thing, is it? I, I'd love to know what the conversation was when he signed that new deal, because you can bet your ass it was not. Cheers, Obama. He's done a lovely job. Uh, left wing next season, lovely job. Just sign here. Yeah. There's no way that happened. There was a conversation, surely, where it was: you will get games as a centre forward. We will play to your strengths. We'll build the team around you. And then there's the other elephant in the room, which is around his left or right arm, the captaincy of the club. Again, no I think smash. No I interviews. Think, uh, well, exactly. And I think John's made reference to this in, you know, in, in Serie A, for example, the captain's armband, uh, you know, it's a beautiful piece of material in, in Serie A, but it means fuck all because over there they're, they're born leaders. Every player, you know, you look at the great Juventus sides, the other side, they all had leaders without an armband. It's just a ceremonial thing. But, totty as well but um in in england and in you know in our game it is still it is still known as quite a big thing you know your, your harry Maguire's, your latter days your john terry's your rio Ferdinand's, your jordan henderson's for for me you know obama yang is a lot of things a very good footballer is one of them a captain he is not he might be a dressing room leader he might be a, an influence on the young players and a, and a good spirit and you know he takes some fantastic instagram videos in the changing rooms and you know i'm sure he's great for you'd want to be friends with him yeah you know and he's a great personality and nobody ever doubts that but he let's not forget he's also a man who in, interacts with a certain uh, toxic tv channel on a fairly regular basis he's also a man as you've just said there who doesn't particularly give many if any public interviews certainly not post game uh he's a man who is very cleverly managed in terms of his persona like he knows when to say the right things and post the right things at the right times if you get me and we can't overlook the fact that he was a guy who was disruptive at Dortmund and I know he hasn't been disruptive at Arsenal and I'm not saying he would be but it does make you wonder, like, the more we thrash out of him, and again, to give him credit, a man who literally carried us to that FA Cup win, literally, he had that team on his back. He put so much into that season. I worry that we basically got the last high-level element of his career out of him. We won that FA Cup, which, of course, he dropped. And, um, and now we're stuck with a player who's fucking knackered mentally and potentially physically who's shot of confidence and just to help him, we'll shove him out of position and hope that it's something drops for him. You know, I love him to bits, but that's the sort of thing Arsene used to do in the final days of his reign. Shove him out there. He'll be fine. He'll get a goal. You know, just, you can't do that anymore. So I know it's a long-winded answer, but I had to, to, to get that off my, off my, uh, my, my um, chest because it has been bugging me. I do worry. And if, and if he isn't scoring the goals, you tell me where the goals are coming from in this Arsenal side because they sure as hell ain't coming from midfield. I don't think the goals realistically are coming from midfield in many teams, to be fair. Yeah, that's an argument. All right, from wide areas? <clears throat> I mean, barring Pepe, you know, uh, on his well, day, he can Pepe, get 15 a season. Well, I mean, he got 16 last year. Yeah, season? in all comps. Like yeah. yeah, in all comps. Um, and if he continues his form, because he ended the season really well, and Arteta 
rewarded him by keeping him in the team. Um, if he keeps that form up and he's looked bright pre-season, then I think he could do it again this season. Yeah. Um, I think Saka could probably have a 15-goal season uh, from a wide, well, from anywhere, basically, in the forward line, to be fair, wherever you want to put him. Um, and I think this season is going to be easier on him because we don't have Europe and it's just one game a week. Um, I think Smith Rowe has definitely got goals in him. Um, I mean, if he got 10 this season, it'd be amazing. I wouldn't ask that of him because it is his first, you know, proper season. But yeah, if he, you know, got six, five, six goals, I think that's a great return for him. Um, my my worry with the striker situation at Arsenal is, yeah, I don't think Aubameyang works on the left. I think Arteta is fully aware of that. He'd want to play him through the middle, but don't think he can do the things that Lacazette does. And we've got ourselves in a situation where we were like, oh, we really need a Bamiyang to stay because he's just had this incredible season and it it made perfect sense at the time. It's like, oh, this guy's unbelievable. Why would you not give him another contract? Makes perfect mm-hmm. sense. But he so outperformed all his numbers. Like I know not everyone's into stats and stuff, but his XG, he was like outperforming every single stat. He should not have got the number of goals and score from the positions he did in that season. It was like off the charts. He's never had a season like it. Um, so I, I do get why they gave him the contract because I was all in favour of it at the time. I was, I was like, yeah, of course you give this guy the contract. He's fucking unbelievable. He's the one thing that's given us any hope of you know getting back to where we were. Um, now it looks really stupid because it's completely hamstrung us. We've got a guy who should never have been captain, to be fair. Um, Good Drew did tell us this. And yeah. that's not his. And that's, that's and it's again, not it's not Aubameyang's fault. fault. And I, yeah. it's, um, you know, we've got Lacazette, who I really like, and I think the way he links play up is great. But he is not a twenty-plus goal a season striker, unfortunately, or not anymore, at least anyway. And he hasn't certainly hasn't been ever since he's been at Arsenal. Partly down to the way we play and the players that we've got around him, but he's not going to be that. It's just not going to happen. So you've got two strikers who we've paid a lot of money for. So even if you give forget the fees we paid for them, Lacazette is the one that's sellable um, because of the term he's got left on his contract and because he's on less wages. But then you've still got this huge fucking deal with Aubameyang and you have to try and get something out of him. Um, people questioning the Tammy Abraham thing, I don't know how good the kid is. I, I've seen him, he scores goals... His shot conversion isn't as good as Lacazette's and everything else. If you do it all purely on statistics, then Lacazette is the better player. But we're in a situation where you have to get rid of one of those. And unfortunately for Lacazette, he's the one that probably that realistically has to go because you can't get rid of a Bamiang because no one is going to pay those wages. Not that there isn't a club out there that's going to pay those sort of wages. Um, so those accounts that there's uh, tweet Arsenal stuff in Arabic, and so they're usually oh, yeah. quite. Yeah. One of them has just tweeted that if Roma can't get Abraham, they want Lacazette. Yeah, there's there's been a lot of talk of that today because, but so the story's going around at the moment is Arsenal can sign Abraham if Lacazette leaves. That's that's the idea. But wouldn't Abraham wow. give us the the Giroud factor and another angle to try and score goals with, which is what I like about the. It. The one thing you've got with Abraham that is the the big difference is obviously if you signed him and you sold Lacazette, you can put a Bamiang through the middle. 
you could play you could play two up top if you really wanted to. Um, Abraham is big, but he's not really a target man. That's not really his game. His, his build-up play needs work. But he will run all day for you, and he's a pain in the ass to defend against because he's just constantly he's very he's physically strong and he will like muscle you off the ball, but he's not going to play with his back to goal. So if you needed to, you could play him wide. But it's one of those signings that again, for the money, it seems kind of dumb. Like you're like, oh, could we not go and get you know, there's probably strikers in France, there's strikers in Italy and stuff. You know, there's uh, Vlahovic and people like that at um, Fiorentina you could go pick up for less money. But again, it's it's the English thing. It's the, he's available. Um, he seems like he's happy to make the move. He's friends with a lot of the young English guys in the squad, which is good for the dressing room. And he's probably at an age where he's young enough where you can go, look, Aubameyang is the main man, but it's not going to be for very long. So some games you might get to play up top, some games we might chuck you out on the left. You know, you're going to be a little bit in and out of the team, but you're going to be the main man once he's gone. And that then gives us the option to go, right, you know what, Balogun, we really want you to get minutes because we're really invested in you for the future. We're now in a position where we can go, right, you can now go out on loan to hopefully a Premier League team, if not the Championship, and get some real, real minutes in your legs. It's not an exciting deal for a lot of people, and I understand that, but it makes sense. So if we could shift Lacazette, and I'll be sad to see him go, and I've given him stick for a long, long time, but the way he plays with Smith Rowe and Erdegaard and those sort of players, I've really enjoyed watching. And I would rather have him in the team than a Bavieng. But mm. we just we the contract situation means that we can't do that. We just do we cannot do it. Do you and think he's we sadly the one that has to get sacrificed? Do you think we brought in... This is just a very brief question because I'm sure we've got other things to... But do you think that when we signed Lacan and Aubameyang, we did it with the idea of playing two together? Or did we do no, it because they were just... I think he Wenger panicked because yeah. Lacazette was carrying an injury when he signed for us and then Aubameyang was on the market. He went, oh, fucking hell, I want that. I, th- I think Aubameyang was was a was a chance signing. Was like a yeah. he was offered, and it was like, oh well, we can't Too not good to turn down. Yeah, uh, and that whereas Lacazette and I felt like we bought Lacazette with the idea that he'd be our main man, and then we saw the opportunity with Aubameyang. We saw the commercial element as well, and probably thought, oh, this is a good deal for that money. And yeah, oh yeah, that, that was a that was a you've been given a chance to sign a player of this quality. Yeah, it's, and it's if we all there on the table, yeah. And if we could have had our time again, and again, this is like nothing to slander about me. I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'm just sort of, if you could have had your time again, and you could have knocked on Dortmund's door. Imagine if you'd have got Alexander Isak for like five million, as you yeah, could have yeah, done. Imagine how good he'd have yeah, been now. Yeah, I know it's, it's all hindsight, but you know. Yeah, and I, I, it's one of those things that at the time it's like, boy, hang on a minute, we can have two really, really good strikers. We, Arsenal yeah. have not had two great strikers for ages. You know, yeah. um, so you're not going to turn it down. But yeah, it, unfortunately, now we're in a position where I, I don't necessarily blame anyone at the club, particularly. I think the only blame I would apportion to the club is the moment Aubameyang signed that new deal is maybe they should have gone, you know what, right, we need to move Lacazette now, where we would have got a bit more money for him. Um, just because you, yeah, because once you've committed to a Bamiang to that contract, then you've got to be like, right, okay, we need we need to move Lacazette on now and get our maximum money for him. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. we left it a little bit too late. But if if the Roma deal comes off and they can 
sign a, a Tammy Abraham or someone, you know, who, whoever it is, um, you know, it, it, you basically, you've got to get a striker of a certain, you know, they've got to be, have a certain experience level, um, be of a certain standard, and they are your backup understudy whilst you let Balogun go out on loan. You sell Enketia, you've got Martinelli as well, you can play as a striker. You know, in the forward areas generally, we're pretty covered. But weirdly, striker is the one that's fucked, despite the fact we've got two £60 million strikers. Even even an, an, an Odson Edward, I still, yeah, yeah, I still, yeah. I still yeah. think that's a signing we could easily, well, I say easily, that's a signing we <clears> can definitely do. Celtic are not cash yeah. rich, and yet, you know, Leicester went so, for Daka instead, and you just think, well, why Brighton, I think I saw linked, linked yeah, as well. Yeah, but then they also yeah. so there's, the, you know, yeah. it's, again, it's the dominoes, but yeah, and there, there are strikers in and around Europe that, you know, you, you could look at and go, there's a bit of value in them if we, uh, mm. yeah, if, if we get it. But I, I guess mean, we'll just have to it, wait and see, won't we? Yeah, if the worst comes to the worst and Lacazette leaves and we don't get a striker in, um, then I don't know how long Enkete's got left on his contract. But just in terms of what I've seen from him in pre-season, I would then just keep hold of him because he has looked very sharp. Yeah, he, he definitely yeah. Sure. yeah, 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 and, and hopefully no. that's because he's playing for a, a move, which yeah, would make yeah. sense, you know. But yeah, um, yeah like you yeah. say, if, if you if you can get twenty million for for Willock and that buys your goalkeeper, and you can get twenty million for Enketia and that buys you a, a suitable striker, yeah. you know. I mean, he, even if you got like, I'm not saying him, but even if you got yeah. an Aguero type striker whose best days are maybe behind him, but. Uh, Davos Suka type of striker who will get you. Yeah, you can say, right, um, you're going to play probably 10, 12 games, something like that. Yeah. You know, that you'll come in, you'll do yeah. a job, and, and you know, yeah. you'll, like you'll you get. <laughs> well, yeah, like Shuru, yeah. who's gone to AC Milan and started really yeah. well. So, yeah, um, there's, there's a few out there, but mm. if you're going to go young, then you, you've got to move quick because they, their value is going to increase the minute they start the season and play well. Yep, absolutely. Should we move on to the. Um... The same part as the last pod that Femster had a load of questions. Let's do that. Bad time to put a sweet in my mouth then, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, it's my last one. I don't want to waste it. I'll put it over PBW, there. always professional when podcasting. Right, Femi, uh, if you're watching Femster, write these down. So it was eight questions that Femster asked everybody on the last show last week. Eight. And uh, Good grief. Eight Awful questions. Man. What is it? What's so the my answers will be very, very short. So, so will mine. So, right. so will mine in breaking news. <laughs> Let's start with you then, John. Uh, player of this coming season, if you can see into uh, the future. Smith Rowe. Chris? I said I was going to be quick and I was trying to think of players. Uh, breakout player, did you say? No, just best player. Um, oh, just Breakout best is oh, next. Okay. Kieran Tierney. Oh, lovely. I'm going Saka again. Our best player. Right, John, breakthrough breakthrough player. I don't like that term. Um, I hope Aziz, because he looks like he's put some serious muscle on that kid. Uh, Chris? Lukonga. Because yeah. I count him as a breakthrough because he was signed for the future and is probably going to yeah. get a lot more games than we thought. I'm going to be a bit cheeky and go for Balogun. And that's more of a fingers crossed than I think. Um, young player of the season, John. Young player of the season. Uh, again, I'm going to say Smith Rowe. Chris? Um, I'm going to put balls on the line. Martinelli. Oh, that's who I'm going for, <laughs> you scumbag. 
Because it's all gone quiet, and I think he's got a big season in him. Oh, well, yeah, expect him to be on the bench a lot. Uh, right, John, top goal scorer, all competitions, I think it is. Well, we've only in three. <laughs> That's not very hard, is it? We're gonna, we've, got West, we've got West Brom okay. in the League Cup, so we're out of that. <clears throat> right. Um, if we don't sign a striker, top goal scorer, uh, Saka. Go on, Chris. Nicola Pepe. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think I've had a really good sign this year, yeah. Yeah, he's on. It's only taken him three years, but he's finally pulled his finger out. Uh, John, here we go. Uh, our final position. <laughs> oh, I think my optimistic head says fifth, but uh, I'm going to, I'll play, I'll hedge my bets and I'm going to say sixth. Chris? I'm going to upset a lot of people here. I know it. Eighth. I'm going to go bet eight, eight, eight. Bet nah. <laughs> Wrong one, but oh, yeah, I'm going eight, one. triple eight. And can I just caveat this, my answer there? That's based upon what we have right now. There is oh, time yeah. to change that. If, if, if like, we get Aguero if we get the, on the three. Well, if we, if we get the three in, you know, the forward option, the attacking midfield option, and, and probably the goalkeeper who can challenge Leno, then I'm with John. We can probably push for fifth. We're, we're miles off top four. Let's not get it twisted. Yeah, yeah. But we can push for fifth if we yeah. get the right players in. Right now... I, I say I hate to be the doom, but I realistic I just can't see higher than eighth, which is what we finished what the last two seasons. So yeah, that's why I'm going eighth again. Uh, this will be a very quick one. Number six, Arteta to survive the season. Yes. Oh. No. no. Chris says, I, I I just I uh, and again there's caveats. I I think if we're not in the top four challenge or the top four discussion. At Christmas, I think both him and Edu are under a, a lot of pressure because it's his squad now. Let's not, whether you like him as a manager or you don't, he's getting everything he's asking for within reason. He's keeping the players he wants to keep. You know, the, there's a big call on, on Shaka potentially. I, I hope I'm wrong because I genuinely want him to succeed. But I, if I had to put my house in it, I'm saying no. I'm saying gone within 10 games. Oh, you've been through. We've had one win in 10 games. It's all yes. over. Um, this I like this one, Fem. Biggest twat to come out of the documentary. <laughs> oh, I've got a great answer oh. for this. Biggest twat to come out of the documentary. Um, I, I've got two. So one's a player and one's a non-player. So Josh Cronkey... <laughs> oh, you didn't go with the same as me Good. Okay. Um, and then as a player oh, who's the biggest twat you know what it's, it's it's nothing against him personally I quite like him as a player but I just for some reason I get the impression that Pablo Marie is a right dick just because he's got one of those faces he could just look at people and just be like oh you piece of shit and just because just he looks so cool there's something about him. He's so slick and stylish and whatever. Yeah, I just I, I reckon he's a bit of a dick. Yeah, there you go. Go on, Chris. <laughs> Simon Collins, when he oh. inevitably when he inevitably gets photographed in the background of a shot <laughs> eating a sandwich he probably shouldn't be eating from a buffet table that he's got no right to have access to, uh, and he just sort of shuffles out and he does that thing like the David Brent character where he sort of looks at the camera and goes. Oops, they've caught me. And then shuffles off to the side. Um, I love you, Simon, if you're listening. I'm, I'm not serious. Uh, but no, that's my answer. If I had to pick a player, 
Um, it's actually really hard to pick a dickhead player is, out of the yeah, squad now, we, isn't it? We haven't got too many twats, have we? Doesn't have to um, be a player. Actually, no, no, actually, I'll be controversial. Bamiang or Lacazette, because they're, I mean, the stuff they do, some of it's so bloody cringe, isn't it? That's so, true, I mean, yeah. you just you just know there's going to be a moment where we're going to celebrate a draw away at West Brom or something, you know, and we're going to be jumping around like we won the league and, and that's going to leak onto the documentary. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I just I hope it's not one of our hierarchy because I don't want another Daniel Levy type, you know, where we find out that Richard Garlick's actually a massive virgin and, you know, comes across <laughs> as one on the on documentary. So I, I'm so worried about this documentary, but I'll leave that for another day. But I'm sticking with my original answer, Simon Collings. And if people didn't know, Simon Collings has a very special pair of Arsenal ABW underpants he wears to every game. And if you ask him nicely, people, he doesn't mind showing you. So just uh, see him asking about his ABW underpants. Uh, my biggest twat is going to be uh, Stan Kroenke. He's going to go full huggy from Starsky and Hutch. He's strolling in with his cane, his hat and his hose, trying to be cool, realising uh, then he gets cancelled in the first five minutes of the first episode. Most random thing to happen in the documentary, John? Um it could be Rob Holding getting hair again by the looks of it. That looks to be <laughs> happening anyway. It's on its way, isn't it? Yeah. Um, no, I'll tell you what. What could be the most... Oh, no, no. Actually, the most random thing could be like the Christmas party or something. And you remember there was like a brief moment where there was like some musicians at Arsenal. We had like uh, Rosicki and you had Czech and stuff. And they all played instruments. Apparently... Um, is it uh, Tavares or Laconga? I can't remember now. I think it was Laconga. Um, if I'm wrong, I'm, I'm really sorry. I know it was one of the two new signings, but one of them said they really like playing piano and cello and been playing it for a long time. I can't remember who said it now, but I know Rob Holding plays guitar. I don't know how well. So I've just got this really bizarre image of like one of the new guys and Rob Holding like playing guitar and there's like a cello and a piano and everything there. And it's just a very weird Christmas party and they're playing some... Like, they're trying to play some, I don't know, weird French rap song that Lacazette and Aubameyang are dancing to around the Christmas tree. Yeah. <laughs> well, you don't put too much thought into it. it. I, you know, I, I, have a, I have a very vivid imagination. What can I say? Chris? Oh, I, I don't even know how to follow that. Like, I'm genuinely like, what on earth do I say? disagree with him. <laughs> I think I'm going to have to. So, so what's this, like, an incident... That, uh, yeah, I mean, I can't follow that. I just can't. I, I, I can't follow that. I'm going with John. <laughs> oh, I'm going to go. I'm going to go for a Flamini takeover of the club, and he puts Jack Wilshere in as manager. Player manager. That's what I'm hoping for. That's what's going to happen. I've got one. I've got one other one that would be very funny. Is Kieran Tierney turns up to training one day, and instead of his Tesco's bag, he's got a Gucci bag and or a little bag. Yeah, no, no, he's, he's, it's going to be the one day he comes in and he's got an actual Gucci. like designer bag, and everyone just rips the ass out of him for it because he's just not yeah. that sort of player. <laughs> I, I, I actually, do you know what I, I kind of really hope for is I hope we get multiple moments where. Yeah, this this club's taken a bit of a battering PR wise in the last few years. It would actually be kind of nice for us for supporters of other clubs that don't start with a T because we know they're just going to hate it regardless. It would be really nice if this documentary, whether we perform well or don't perform well, it'd be really lovely for like supporters of other clubs that are not rivals to come out and go. Do you know what that that club's? They're quite likable, those guys. You know, because we there, there was a time when we were like 
everyone's second favourite team. And, you know, it, oh, it was under Arsenal and that's... Well, we have got Saka and Spurs fans gave him a round of applause. Yeah, yeah, yeah true. And fair play to them for that. That's the only mm. time I'm ever going to say that. But yeah, it, it would be really nice if something positive came out of the documentary and people actually went, Do you know what, they're all right. And if you haven't when... seen it, watch the video on Instagram of... Tierney holding and uh, Ben White tonight where they're talking about the away kit and they're doing like that it's, it's all designed around this whole because they're changing the Sweet Caroline thank God song for when we win aren't they they've put it out to this cryptocurrency where you get to vote yeah. for the news and those three do a video on Instagram and they all come across as genuinely likable blokes and yeah. Tierney I think we're going to get some gold from him because he's just got classic Scottish band like he just comes across like a proper proper lad with a good sense of humour so you know we might get some positives out of that hopefully so when does it start it's not happening during the season is it it's going to be after the season it's being filmed during the season I would imagine it will be released ahead of next season I would have thought or over the summer I guess when did the Man City one come out I've not watched any of them I'm not sure didn't didn't they release it as the season was going on I was going to say it was like a few months January, it was a, didn't it? It was a, yeah, I think it probably starts probably around Christmas, January time, something like that. But it'll obviously be the start of the season, and they'll basically make it so that there's enough like time previous to whatever's been on, like a few mm. months. Like, August, August, August the seventeenth, twenty eighteen, the Man City one was released, and the thirty first of August, twenty twenty, was the Tottenham one. So that leads me to think next. Um, oh, well, then next uh, then. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was earlier than that, must have been. Yeah, so did I. Good luck writing that lot down, Ben. <laughs> yes, right. I think, is there any, any other business we need to talk about? No. Um, I, th- I, I think mean, there's probably, there's probably hundreds of things, but we'd go on forever. So yeah. I feel like. Yeah, could, that's uh, true. Have we got have we yeah. got any other quick listener questions or is that is that it? Well go and have a look. I think Carl did mention something and I had a look before we started the show, but that was an hour and a half ago. Um you don't, you don't need to drag it out any more than... Oh, here we go. Matt or Roberts. What is the appropriate response to the club's dealings? Is it A, what the fuck, B, typical, C, don't care, or D, none of the... All of the above? <laughs> Probably all of the above. <laughs> a bit a bit from column A, a bit from column B, a bit from column C. Um, Richard Morris says... Um, oh, the podcast wasn't following him. There you go. I know who he is. He says, uh, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> yeah, nothing. can't really say much about that. Could, yeah. could, we add a, could we add a category and just... And if for those of you in audio, that's me shrugging. Because it's a bit like that, isn't it? It's like, some good... It's it, Actually, no, there you go. It's just because John's on. It's uh, sometimes maybe good, sometimes <laughs> maybe shit. It's a bit like that, isn't it? It's kind of it's a bit... It's very good to do so at the moment. It is. Lots, yeah. of, lots of good. Uh, we're still we're, uh, bad because we've still got all the dead wood and maybe a little bit to come where we could balance it, you know? Yeah. And I think that could that could be it. There's, uh, yeah, that's it. No more. I'll, I'll ask you no two one question to finish on then, shall I? Yeah. What would make you, what do you want to see from tomorrow night? And obviously we all, Take for granted that we all want to see us win. That's that's an obvious. What do you want to see from from our performance tomorrow night? Not just the beautiful yellow kit. What what's what? Are uh, we wearing the blue wanna... kit tomorrow? Oh, are we? Okay. Oh, yeah. commercial. Sorry, how silly yeah. of me. Um, <laughs> what, what do you like? What sort of? I know the answer. Free flowing, attacking football, utilizing 
the ability that every one of our players has to the maximum pre-Wenger Venga days that Arteta was there for. Make the most of it. Don't play defensive football. We have got some amazing attacking players and people will be scared of them and use players in the right positions. Stop trying to convert a bummer into a winger. It's not working. Um, yeah, basically the same as Danny. I, I want to see Ben White bringing the ball out, progressing it up the pitch, you know, carrying it 20 yards, 30 yards at a time or spraying it out to the left, picking out Tierney uh, with those wide-ranging passes. Um, I hope Lukonga starts. I'd really like to see that. Um, I'd like to see him play some more of those through balls, sort of dink balls to Pepe and Smith-Rowe for those kind of runs. Um, I'd love to see a Bamiyang score a goal. That would be amazing. Mm-hmm. I just want to see the tempo of the, of the passing be decent. Don't be afraid to lose possession or lose the game. Well, Stop just- playing Emery ball. You've just taken my answer because that's what I was going to say. I, I want to see. I want to see the reins off. I want to see Arteta stood on the sideline, windy millering his dick, going, "Go on, boys, fucking do what the fuck you want." Like one more, know. yeah, just, just <laughs> literally, just tugging away on himself, going, "Go on, boys," like not literally because he'd probably get arrested. But um, yeah, no, I just, I just want to. Is see that going to happen though? <laughs> well, I mean, probably not. But I again, I reserve judgment. You know, I'm, I'm skeptical of. Of, of his management as I said earlier I'm not going to hide behind that I'm going to stick with it but I want it I want to be wrong I want to be I want to be that guy that everyone's tweeting in May going you're an idiot I told you he was going to come good like, I want to yeah. be that guy I want to yeah. be the guy to say I I doubted him but he got his business done and he performed because to me don't get me wrong I would quite happily take a title or a cup win with us housing our way all the way through every game and winning it don't get me wrong because that's what we did to win the FA Cup but I'd love to see, like I said, the Amazon thing. I'd love to see us become a club that everyone sort of goes, do you know what? They're, they're a little bit, you know, they're a little bit Marseille. They're all over the shop. They concede loads, but damn, they're entertaining. They're good to watch and they're a fun club. Like, And I just want to be proud of watching us again and, you know, and just just be, you know, oh, you're not entertained, but just just take the, just, just let go a bit, Mikel. Just... You know, take the handbrake off to use an arsonism, and just give those players a bit of a a bit of a creative license. And if you aren't going to do that, don't buy Martin Odegaard because it won't work. Like you know, go and buy a structured midfielder because you know you you have if you if you're going to play the way you're going to play, you have to give a couple of players a license. Like a Pepe, he's going to lose the ball ten games ten times a game. He is. But, but he's he when he's might, full of confidence. He's a, he's a magnificent but he, player. He might win you a game and lose the ball 10 times. I'm quite I mean, happy with that. The opposition are scared of him. Yeah. Alexis Sanchez is a prime example. He gave the ball away too much, in fairness. But <laughs> how many fucking games did he win for us? Just by trying and how something. How entertaining and by, was it? Yeah and, yeah, and by breaking the lines and by taking a chance. And as I say, he was very indisciplined. And John Otayu, he's the same at Inter and everywhere else he's been. But... You know, he was he was he was a genuinely exciting transitional signing, and he brought the best out of players around him because he was a bit, you know, off the chain. Arshavin, another one, until he found the pies. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and that's that. I've gone on again, but I just I just want to sit there tomorrow. I want to enjoy it. Um, I'd love to see us learn how to defend corners. That'd be great. Uh, and I and I just want to see a performance where whatever the result is, we can come out of it and go. Do you know what? Fair play. And I want to see Lukonga in that team as well. Yeah, sounds good. Well, I think that's 
the end of the show now. Uh, this is our last podcast of the of our eighth season. Uh, the next podcast will be after the, the Brentford game. I don't know when, probably Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays. A few of us have got other stuff going on with other podcasts because we're only doing one, one show a week at the moment uh, because um, Arsenal have quite frankly broken us. They've killed our love of football. <laughs> yeah, we can't be arsed. It's, it's too much hassle. None of you are so we're, we're going back to the way we used to do it. One podcast a week, not live, uh, but with video this time. So thank you very much to everybody who's listened over the last eight seasons. I think we're up to about 4.6 million views on all platforms, which is, which is, I think that's that's quite a decent number. And we will be back for next season. The only two um, people that are new ones is uh, Jock and James from Goonersphere have said they put their name in the hats and they're now part of it. But Jock is a very busy man, scribbling and writing books and looking after kids. So. I think we've now got 13 people in the WhatsApp group. So we might be able to get you one podcast a week if we can if we can arrange it. But Ellis won't bother because Ellis is a shitbag. I mean, um, fuck Ellis. Yeah. yeah, fuck Ellis. That's, that's all I've got to say. Um, anything else, John, before Chris ends the show? Um, yeah, mine's really random. Uh, if you like craft work and deathcore metal, what could be better than a German band that mixes them together? So check out a band called we butter the bread with butter. It's very weird, but I love it. There you go. I have done many, many shows in my time. That is by far the most niche shout out I have ever heard, and I and I, and I like it. I respect it. Uh, I'm all about that life. Um, Happy to be back. Yeah, absolutely. And Whenever anybody says butter, I think of Dom and his hide the turd game. Oh God, yeah. And he'll be back at some point, by the way. I will get him on, on one of my shows. Um, no, my, mine's it's not really a shout-out, really. It's just kind of a collective. Um, yeah, th- as Danny said, thank you to all of you loyal listeners who stuck with us. Like, we've changed schedules. We've changed shows. We've changed faces. We've changed names, in my case. Um, we've changed a lot of stuff, but you guys and girls just stick with us. Um, and, you know, I know that people have their favourites. Um, a guy tweeted me the other day and said, uh, I missed the old you. I was like, well, sorry about that. <laughs> Arsenal have broken me. But, um, you know, it's it's genuinely humbling to see, you know, we'd be happy with 100 downloads. When you see the figures that Danny's just read out there, that is pretty bloody mental. So thank you to all of you guys um, and to everybody who's tweeted me this evening in light of those events. That's genuinely touching. Um and yeah, just here's to the new season. You know, we're we're in a bit of a rough spot. There's, you know, not too many expectations from us all. Um, let's sit back, enjoy the rides. We'll all fork out £100 for a shirt. Yeah, yay. And, uh, you know, we'll go again. So uh, my thanks to John. My thanks to Danny. Good to have you back, John. And Danny, you've got to be here. Thanks very much. It's a pleasure to be back, despite... Feeling like shit, but you know, the Kaya <laughs> and his unicorn cheer me up, so that's fine. There you go, unicorns for the win. Um, but yes, until next time, dear listener, uh, thank you once again. We appreciate you, we love you. Stay tuned to us, uh, flick our bell, hit our ding dong, play with Danny's balls, and do all that good stuff because you know we, it makes us happy, makes us smile. But until next time, thank you very much for tuning in. We have been a Birdcup Wonderland, and here's to 2122. And Simon Collings making a massive fool of himself on Amazon. Good night. As soon as I scored that goal, I was fucking livid. Splendid business. Get down, dog.